I want to welcome you to the second season of Couchonomics with Arjun. Join us this season as we go beyond fintech and payments and embark on the journey into the future of financial services, a future which will be shaped by existing and new developments in technology and innovation, including and not limited to the likes of embedded finance, open banking, ESG, various versions of metaverse, decentralized finance, digital currencies, and other trends. On the couch, we're going to have the most influential and progressive-minded founders, executives, investors, regulators, innovators, and industry commentators from across the MENA region and beyond. Join us as we unravel a multitude of layers of the financial services industry and try to learn how technology will continue to impact the world that we live in. Couchonomics with Arjun is proud to collaborate with some of the most respected and innovative names in the world of payments, fintech, and technology. Ardian is a reliable end-to-end payment solution that provides innovation and flexibility to help businesses achieve their ambition faster by turning payments into a strategic growth driver. Get everything you need with TuYu, a Saudi-based super app for delivery, mobility, on-demand services, and a lot more. TuYu connects you to everything you need to enrich your daily lives by building an ecosystem across its end consumers, merchants, and reps. Visa is a world leader in digital payments with a mission to connect the world through the most innovative, convenient, reliable, and secure payments network to enable individuals, businesses, and economies to thrive. GDA is a leading fintech and payment solution provider founded in Saudi Arabia expanding rapidly across the region with established operations in UAE and Egypt. GDA's vision is to empower merchants with the tools to start, manage, and grow their business. M2P pioneers next-gen fintech through innovative offerings across payments, lending, and banking landscapes. Their comprehensive tech stack powers end-to-end banking services, BNPL, customized credit cards, prepaid cards, and more. Chat GPT. This week, uh, whenever this episode is 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 aired, Chat GPT broke to the public, and within five days, it received a million downloads, which it took Netflix five months to do iTunes. You know, it is yeah. it's this extraordinary explosion in people's minds of what this tool is capable of. And this is just OpenAI's GPT-3 model is just one example of many of these types of models. You can see Midjourney and Stable Diffusion for images and Dolly 2. But that's the first tangible experience that most people have of AI, and it's rightfully blowing people's minds. What GPT-3 and, and chat GPT, which is the sort of consumer-facing version of that, and GPT-4 is on the horizon, what that prelude, is the prelude of is fully generative, fully customized social media feeds. So there are no more influencers. You write questions for this podcast. I compose answers. We have a conversation that goes out to listeners. Maybe there's some dialogue on LinkedIn or on YouTube comments after that. But for every single individual interest and for every single listener, they will 
soonish be able to receive customized generative video audio and script and music for the things that they are most interested in without influencers without real human beings involved without uh there being content editors and i'm sorry guys producers associated with it and that is going to fundamentally transform the media landscape in a profound way that will have financial and employment implications but more importantly will have implications on the nature of public dialogue and debate and how we get our information that is just the tip of the iceberg what is so different about generative AI versus all the other forms of AI which have existed for decades, right? We've been using some form of machine learning and AI for quite a long time, right? And, and, and second part to that question is why this craze, right, which has just engulfed all of us, so great question, Arjun. Um, the generative AI differs from uh, artificial intelligence because it has created a whole new creator economy. So artificial intelligence is a field that has been here with us since 1950s. Mm -hmm. And we know that, uh, you know, for traditional artificial intelligence, it was restricted to a few people who did their PhDs and had to take a lot of uh, studies, etc. And uh, what differs generative AI from traditional uh, artificial intelligence is that now generative AI can generate new content. So previously, in a, a traditional a uh, artificial intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence could uh, analyze data, it could make interpretations, but it couldn't generate new forms of data. So this is why it's very exciting that with generative AI, we have a generation of new content, which has never been there before, such as art, you have music, you have videos, etc. It's really exciting because I've seen children, maybe 10 year olds, they can ha enjoy generative AI, whether creatively, creatively or for studying. I'm not quite sure they're enjoying it. I, th <laughs> I think they're using it to finish homework. Yes, but the artistic types, they're definitely enjoying it as well. So at what stage does co-creation become replacement? Uh, OpenAI, one of the major companies behind, uh, you know, the likes of Chad GPT, GPT, uh, all these transformer models. So it did a study and said that instead of replacing jobs, it can actually enhance 80% of the jobs that exist today. If you went back 100, 200, 300 years ago, I think technologies crept up on you at a pace which gave you the option to reinvent, to upskill, to reskill, right? Here it feels like 15 minutes later, right, people in particular industries could be sitting there going, we're really not required because, you know, using these, these, these large language models, you can actually infer data through large copious amounts of, of I guess, data sources into something very succinct. So there's a whole plethora of people who would be doing that as a job and their jobs are arguably at risk now in a very, very short period of time. And there isn't enough, in my humble opinion, educational material out there to retrain, reskill, and upskill these individuals so that they can become co-creators. But in any case, I, I just want to make that point. I think this was just me getting it off my shelf, off my chest, because I do believe that 
yes, in in the longer period of time, all these new technologies will generate new roles, mm-hmm. right? Without doubt. Um, but I think in, in, in a short term, they actually could be very painful. Uh, I actually think, disagree politely. No, please. Yes, because um, all these uh, in the short term, they actually enhance jobs. Uh, there, there's a generative AI application for so many things now. So that enhances your productivity to a level that you actually have more time to do the stuff that is more important. And that includes a lot of leftover time to upskill. We're all going crazy on AI these days, right? Has kind of, specifically AI, it's kind of crept up very quickly, right? It's been around for a decade. We've been talking AI in financial services for at least a decade, at least I know that. But in the last six months, it's pretty much every day, right? Now, question for you is, what do we do? And, and, and I'm actually asking that question to myself right now. What do I need to do from my own job's perspective to kind of come up the curve and stay with this seismic shift? Because this is not for the next generation mm. or my kids' generation. It's actually going to impact me, and I'm not that old. And And I'll say one final thing before I pass it on. We keep hearing that, you know, AI will not replace human beings. It will be human beings using AI who will replace human beings not using AI. My answer to that is, I'm sorry, that's BS. AI will replace human beings, right? What do I do from not getting replaced? Well, 20 years ago, when we entered the finance industry, it was quite linear. You know you want to get into a job in finance. You know you have a finance degree and then it's probably predictable. Today, if you want to join the finance industry or the fintech industry, people are looking at totally different type of skills. Yeah, and even the banks, right? And, and even, the, even banks. the banks, right? Exactly. Yeah. And my view is that today, if you don't learn AI, I think it would be really, really hard for anyone to get a, um, uh, a great job in finance. You need to understand about the use of AI, not necessarily learning uh, about how to build it, but how to use it. That's why we spend a lot of time uh, working uh, with uh, people, global head of innovation or data chief officer in AI, to look at what are the applications, if you were in asset management, wealth management, risk management, all the verticals in banks, how does it really apply? Yeah. How does it apply? Because you don't want to learn just AI and sticks in your brain, but how do I really apply to your job? That's why we spend a huge amount of time uh, um, getting the people involved in AI to teach so that in every verticals of the banks, we launch a, a program on that. So it was really applied. It's like you have this Nespresso machine and you have the old way of doing coffee with the, with the powder and you try. Today, this machine is here. You press the button and it gives you the same, the same results. So today, AI is there and AI will augment your job. You'll get the real, same result, but how do you use it? I think it's the right moment mm-hmm. to actually learn what works, what doesn't work from the company building AI, blockchain, digital asset, but also the banks. With all the new craze with AI and so on and so forth coming into the mm. into the frame, that sort of upskilling, reskilling concern mm. becomes bigger, right? So just from a Singapore perspective, when did the journey actually start? What are the big inventions you guys have made? It all started from day one. 
we had this strong belief there are three ways to do it you have to build your capacity you have to enhance your capability and you have to have capital behind it i would rather argue saying that large part of workforce which was part of the financial sector were not necessarily digitally native so we had to put lot of uh, effort in building multiple programs so that the existing workforce are upskilled to be able to deal with this new expectation the new consumer expectations it has been part of a program throughout 365 days for last 4 5 years as i said we are obsessed with the idea that upskilling reskilling is a key to the success of a center in the future every friend i had who was a web3 expert 3 months ago is now an ai expert <laughs> and more specifically a generative ai and more specifically a chat gpt expert i personally don't think it's an either or i want to hear sort of your view in terms of why we are seeing this sudden shift in the way people are positioning themselves yeah. i don't see the need to but people have chosen to and where do you see those points of intersection i don't think that anyone has real hard unrefutable knowledge in this space it's not yeah. like hey you understand the hard there's, there's the no hard. intellectual monopoly on no, the topic not yet. at all yeah, not at all ai though ai's been been out there since the 50s i could see a world even where artificial intelligence starts writing smart contracts for us mm-hmm. right we define the use cases the artificial intelligence defines the smart contract and suddenly the entire access to blockchain is 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 solved and we've solved the talent issue as well i think in a perfect world this entire um landscape of emerging technologies will exist in a concerted effort let's say your self driving car which is an iot device is um governed by some form of artificial intelligence some form of automation is connected from a value point of view every time you pass salic to your blockchain wallet and and so goes the story i think it's a concerted effort of, of or it's a concert of emerging technologies in the future right which technology trends really interest you at a personal level i am uh, completely obsessed with ai right so i think that will change financial services as we know it because it it will change retailing uh as i was dreaming about what how i think things will work a few years from now um i i think that we will not go to shops online or offline and instead will ask some personal assistant you know see this picture or whatever remember tom cruise in mission impossible 6 i'd like the bomber <laughs> jacket that yeah. he wore and i'd like it from an eco-friendly company with zero hassle return i'd like to spend 5 to 600 dollars but if it's a little more all right where do i go and there's the answers and one step further is do it in my in my shopping basket and what have you uh, because it's so powerful and we ain't seen nothing yet uh, just today i was at a at that investor conference where a company called Veritone i'd not heard of them from america was presenting yeah. what all they have done yes. they've digitized all the sports archives in america whereby f- for thousands of historic nba games you can say show me what michael jordan did in the championship game in 19 whatever uh, and 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 tell me what shoes he was wearing uh, or you know where do i buy the memorabilia uh, the memorabilia shirt and what have you and it's early days So I think that is going to be something that has a very big impact on on payments as well in a way that I can't can't quite oversee the obvious applications are fraud detection and what have you but it will change the, the payment experience. Yeah. So I think that's that's a big one and it's probably uh, I think 
if I had to put money on it, it will make the so-called smart smartphone revolution look like a relatively small thing. Um, so, you know, who knows? What's your take on AI payments? Because there's there are tremendous use cases, right? Uh, uh, me being a payments person myself, I, I can see. How do you see it in its initial avatars? How do you think it's going to kind of come into the ecosystem? I think it's already happening initially yeah. with payments, primarily in risk, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Risk and behavioral attribute uh, of transaction. Uh, what is happening there is how we can perform transactions in a protective manner. That's where AI is going to speed up a lot, and it's already starting at the moment. What we believe, that's an entry point, but uh, where it's going to reach, I think it's a question like, uh, where is the internet going to go in the in the 90s? <laughs> when that question was given back then, I think AI is truly uh, uh, an innovation that will speed up things in a manner that is really hard to predict at the moment. I think, you know, businesses will need to get smarter. True. I do think that there is an element that the way our businesses will look in terms of personnel will, will change, will change yeah. and it'll change faster than, than we can. And then that brings another question saying, do we have access to that sort of talent? True. Right. And if we don't have that access to that talent means, well, we better start upskilling and reskilling the people that we have. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we can just sit back and say that, you know, there's a magic button out there we'll press. Well, maybe there is a magic button, but I haven't <laughs> seen one that, that'll, that'll solve that. So um, I, I, I find this both fascinating, but at the same time worrying. There, there is one thing I would like to please put a comment there on how I would compare AI or where it's going, uh, how it's going to be used versus something that we're using today. Uh, navigation that you're using today with driving or going from one place to another. We used to use maps. Yeah. Now we rely on software that tells us where to go. Yeah. I think what's going to happen and what's tricky with AI is it's going to be the same thing. Today, there are people that can use such software for navigation, but they can move without it. That's fine. But there is a huge population that can't. Yep. That's what scares me I, with AI. I totally agree. I think, I think the, 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 the separation between the have and have-nots arguably becomes even greater. Yeah. So, so, you know, yet to be proven whether AI is an inclusive tool and whether it will be used for inclusion yeah. or not. Let's talk about generative AI and financial services, right? From a generative AI perspective, right, what use cases are you seeing out there? What examples are you seeing out there? So um, I personally think, you know, there are so many industries that are going to be disrupted in uh, by generative AI. And uh, that can be used very positively. Uh, you know, there's a thing called structured disruption that with proper strategy and foresight, you can actually use that as an advantage and uh, go leap forward in ways which you could not before these advents of uh, uh, technology such as generative AI. So there's a huge opportunity and there are a lot of people who are in the financial services utilizing this. So for example, let's start from the very basics. 
you know, even with ChatGPT, you have your own personal financial advisor. Mm -hmm. You can have, you have uh, these, uh, uh, there's a generative AI app called Parthian AI. And what it does is that it, it, it has been trained to uh, provide financial advice. So whether it's regarding your mortgage, whether it's regarding something like, uh, uh, you know, savings, even capital management, et cetera, uh, it can help you. You just provide it with the questions and it can help with uh, that. And uh, in specifically with generative AI, the uh, GANs, which are generative adversarial networks are very helpful. So without going into the technicalities, they can be used to create synthetic data and this synthetic data without compromising the privacy, et cetera, of accounts can be used to train models and detect fraud, can, de can be used to detect uh, an anomalies. That is being used by, uh, for example, uh, Uber in their financial services to detect anomalies and prevent fraud. And it's also being used by uh, Google for even network protection of their financial services. And I would say that because uh, generative AI models and, uh, tend to hallucinate, you shouldn't always, uh, and hallucinate for those who don't know, they tend to sometimes advise in a way which seems very believable, but it's actually a made up fact. So it's always good to double check as well. You know, don't go blindly with what's being told. And, and you raised one of my biggest concerns, yes. which is hallu hallucination. Uh, uh, of of the generative AI responses, yes. right? Financial services or fintech is a is a very precise uh, industry, if I may yes. say, right? Uh, it, invariably, there's a right and a wrong answer, yes. right? Because it's number driven. It's not all, you know, a field of roses. There are always good aspects, and then there are things which you need to be worked upon. So you should never blindly, you know, accept everything. You should uh, always uh, do your own research. However, it, it, it will definitely enhance productivity and, uh, you know, models such as Bloomberg's uh, GPT can definitely enhance the financial sector. Recently, I think you did, you announced something that you were doing with AI, right? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about it. So because we're a conversational platform yeah. and we're inviting all of the other people to copy this, <laughs> we, get to, we get to launch conversationally. Three weeks ago, the world started realizing that everything should become conversational <laughs> AI now and everything. What, this is what we've been talking about, you know, since a few years ago. I, I think the world is moving in a very conversational direction, not for anything, Arjun, but because it's the easiest. It's the organic way of using a handheld, right? Since Nokia, since the BlackBerry, people have been used to running in the conversation, and now this is what's happening. So we've launched our GPT, our mm -hmm. in-house uh, GPT, and it's the world's first executional GPT. Okay. What do you mean by that? If you look at GPT right now, or if you look at computer intelligence or AI in general, so you, you have multiple layers of intelligence, but when you look at it, most of the intelligence that you have right now is informational intelligence. And its information is not localized. Mm -hmm. It can give you generic information, right? Uh, what we wanted to do is something that is executional, that can carry a task. Okay. You say buy water, it buys water. It says, okay. deliver this to my house. It carries on the tasks needed to deliver this to your house. 
send money, remit money, it remits money, call X, call Y, it does that for you. And this is what we feel eventually the user experience is going to look like. It's prompts and commands that are happening on top of generative AI. So as a merchant, if you think about it, I think the era of you trying to look for an item is almost done. You're just going to prompt the intelligence to find you something and it will find and be able to execute. And eventually the intelligence will learn that Arjun drinks this water, he likes this size, and we know his address. So the minute you say buy water, you just see a deduction on your card, you go home and you find that water delivered to your house. The minute you say renew my ID, it renews your ID. The minute you say, you know, uh, get, get me a new passport, gets you a new passport. And that's execution. It does a task for you. When it comes to AI, uh, I think it's definitely overhyped, but there is a sense of what the products of AI could be utilized in our space. It's basically how to, again, enhance the user experience. I think the large language models could help in the interaction with the customers, whether on the support level and in, in, in knowledge-based communication, as well as in some of the advisory services that we can come up with, like in the advisory on investments, for example, advisory on potential e-commerce interactions on which products could better fit for me and so on. So we are researching some uh, concepts around this when it comes to Yellow Invest and the Yellow Mall uh, spaces, uh, which we will be releasing soon. I mean, in the, in the next release, there is an actually AI implementation in, the, in one of our use cases. So I haven't been in Tinkoff for a year in Russia, so I really don't know. But I can tell you that, you know, the direction of travel, which is really quite interesting. So basically, once you get all these different services in the app, it's actually um, becomes quite cluttered. There's too many things on the screen. There's too many screens. How do you navigate? And it's becoming a problem. And this is a fantastic use case for AI in the super app. Because so what do you do with the AI? Uh, how, basically, you build up a profile based on the preferences and the behavior of and the so customer. And you have targeted content. Exactly. At the right time, delivered in the right way. Exactly. Very unobtrusive. This isn't push messaging this so, I'm talking so about. Your, this your, is the actual your screen. Your user interface is determined by It's who customized you are. to that yeah. particular individual unit. And, and it's amazing. So you take the boring hygiene stuff, you know, regular payments, transfers to your mum, bill payments, whatever, into the background and automate it in effect. You can do it through prompts. And you take the interesting endorphin-producing stuff into the foreground, which really gets people turned on. Yeah. And that's, what, that's where Tinkoff is traveling now. What are the challenges? Oof. Lots of challenge here and there. For, I mean... Pick, pick your top two or three. I mean, I think ultimately the challenges with this role always is that when you're speaking to industry, who is industry? What is industry? It's not a person. It's not, you know, it's not like you, I can talk to chat GPT and be like, chat GPT, you who scours the web, be the voice of industry for me. Most people don't know how to figure the implications of this, right? As an icon, sit down here and size out the impact of chat GPT and similar types of tools on the financial services sector. And there are some very profound ones, including data, privacy, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you guys stay ahead of the curve? At this point, I don't know who's ahead of the curve. I think we're all just oh, hanging oh, on. Yeah, we're yeah. all hanging okay. on for dear life, all question. of us. How do you actually stay on <laughs> the end of the curve? But I think this is true for everyone. Like you said, yeah. you know, we're all just holding on and there's so much happening in different parts and different sections of the world and it just keeps popping up and we're like, oh, kind of like whack-a-mole. Oh no, this popped up. Let's try to figure out what's happening. I think what we do a lot is we are, 
we work a lot internationally because normally if you have 18 regulators or you have 25 regulators or so, eventually one will be a little bit stronger in one field than the other because based on their specific market specificity. So that's one of our first go-tos. Speak to our peers to see if they have any concerns. And then ultimately, it's always a question of risk management. So how dangerous, quote-unquote dangerous, could something be? And then from there, that sort of prioritizes how quickly we need to upskill. 